You are listening to a Best Of series, only on Lance J Plus. Paragon 7 Studios. seeing you healthy and thriving oh, and doing, doing what you love, which is connecting with people. Right. And this morning at the keynote, we had some really good examples of how important that connection is. I feel bad is. that I missed it because oh, we have so many interviews. Uh, loved it. And plus, I'm a, we're music people. So, right. you know, the, our, our music, that really resonated. So about connection, you know, when I, you know, because you're, what's going on in my career? And, and it's the same theme. And one of the things I that I, I enjoy most about what I do is 80% of it's product development. Like right. you said, all those things right. with submissions and coding and risk adjustment, but also going the extra mile in my strategic advisory practice mm. for these clients who come and say, you know, we're struggling, or we'd like to know how we line up against industry best practices. Right. You know, come and do a holistic evaluation of, of what's going on. And it's, it's difficult because sometimes they don't realize it's like an iceberg. Yeah. 10% is you see the a little bit, right? <laughs> the other 90% is your claims, right. your provider systems, your enrollment, all those other things that come before. the Yes, and the claims. I was just talking to someone. Yeah. I think I've never been at a plan. I've been at six plans over 20 years. I've oh, never been at a, a plan that that, and all in different parts of the country. You know, Midwest, South, Southwest, Northwest, um, Northeast. I've never been anywhere where people were deliberately trying to juke the stats and deliberately submit inaccurate data. Um, You know, I like to say providers and the leaders, the people that run these organizations, they want to do right. But a lot of people just don't realize you can go through a laborious audit process for risk adjustment. You can audit 100% of your charts, which I've been in plans that did that. You might be having leakage in claims. Yes. And if you're in the quality shop, claims doesn't report to quality. Right. So you can't force the operations team to, to audit their claims. That's why you have companies like the Centauri's of the world, you know, the Episources of the world, the Change Helps of the world that can help you with a holistic approach. You know, I think we do so many things in silos in healthcare. And if you're auditing your charts and your prospective work for risk adjustment, that's great. But that's only 10 percent, maybe 12 percent tops. Got to get into that claim system, and you got to have someone. I, I don't know anyone that's better in the country than, than Don Carter to do that. Um, tell us about some of the things that Centauri is doing specifically for their clients. You know, I think with the shift to EDPS, RAPS was really easy to do. You know, even I, even a dummy <laughs> like me could do it. So I was just, when EDPS hit, I was like, man, I got to hire four people. And, and, you know, we were working with Centauri. I was fortunate to be working with Centauri and have some access to Don Carter. But... But there's only one Don Carter, and we need to clone you like 11 times. So it's just like, how do you advise people that are really making that shift into EDPS and trying to understand and minimize their leakage? Because you have to have an expert, and it's only been around for a few years. There are not a whole lot of experts. You, and you hit the right word with leakage, because one of the collateral pieces that I provide the most when I do these assessments is a leakage map. Right. And it extends like when that provider submits that right. claim, you know, was it improper? And you got to accrue for that. It's yes. just you're not going to have a 2% leakage rate. I mean, you're going to there's going to be human error, but I think that 
because it's so much more stringent. You know, if you if you're kind of a layman, the old system, the risk adjustment processing system was very easy. You know, it had like ten fields in it. It was yeah. just really easy to do. And now you this, have thousands. This EDS is thousands, <laughs> yes. and it's just it's so intricate and in depth. It's the right thing to do, but it just creates a different lane and a different need for for healthcare organizations and to bring in vendors and experts like yourself. And that's a that's a good point. Is you know reaching out to the people that can help you. Right. And there's plenty of consultants and vendors, you know, that are in this space, you know, that can do that. And the key is, you know, understanding the full cycle that if you are doing a leakage analysis, it has to start at the beginning. And it's and it's uh, market agnostic, even right. though, for example, commercial, you know, you're only dealing with paid claims. It still matters if claims are being denied improperly, if they're being held in pen statuses and not getting to the edge right. server. Same for Medicare Advantage. So I used to get crushed on the pin, pin yeah. status claims. You know, so just, when just, you you are investigating each, you know, mapping out each data transfer point and calculating the leakage, which is easy to do when you have risk adjustment DIY software that that you can use. You can see very clearly where your leakage is happening, right. and then you know, like what I do for my clients in the strategic advisory practice is. What can they do to close those gaps, given their unique people, processes, and technology? You know, is the answer hiring a vendor? Maybe. Is it more oversight over what's going on in your own operations? Probably. It's probably, you know, could be anything. But going that extra mile to really help them see what those root causes are, to say, here are some options that you might want to consider for closing them. And that's my great passion. I love connecting with people. Like now, how that. did you become the guru that you've become? So I know that you've, you know, you have a very, uh, very uh, storied history in, in this business. But as everyone has sat in this, the chair that you're sitting in, and those of us who have been in this industry 15, 20 or more years, none of us when we were 11 looked at our parents <laughs> and said, hey, mommy, hey, I'm daddy, when adjustment. I grow up, I'm going to chase <laughs> charts and then I'm going to get into and learn to read the 837 and understand claims and then understand the EMR and if they're truncating codes and if they're, you know, if they're only sending right. out three codes for every member that comes in. And then I'm going to learn the V22 model and understand that. And I'm going to study ICD-10, ICD-9 at the time. Nobody was thinking that when right. they were a kid how did you get into this and how fulfilling has the ride been for you because obviously you're you're expert in industry very well respected but how did you get into this quite by accident (laughs) which is kind of i think i almost got into it i mean that's how i got into it (laughs) is i was uh in nursing school in my early all right so you were in nursing school i was you have i always thought that you had a nurse had some nurse in you you have the warmth and caring, so that that's I, so I was right there. I have a yeah, good uh, right. good yes. judge of people. And when I was in nursing school, I would go to school from seven to three, you know, having clinicals, doing nursing school, and from three to eleven, I would work in the hospital admissions office mm. for a local large health health system. I loved that job okay. because again, I love connecting, I love people, so it was a great job for me. And it, this was in the mid '90s. So I'm dating myself, right. although I just turned yeah, fifty. No, so mid '90s <laughs> technology. Fifty was, is the new thirty-five. I know. That's right. Um, just starting to permeate, per, permeate the healthcare space with, you know, was networking, and, and I was like, you know, I really like this. You know, I really enjoyed, you know, the being on the forefront of implementing these technologies okay. in the space. So I put a pause on nursing school because I also had some personal things happening, okay. a divorce and some other life circumstances. So it was the right time to kind of put a pause on what I was doing, and. You know, by the time I was through all that, I'm like, yep, this is what what I really want to be doing. So I got a business degree instead, even though I was only like a year from graduating. And where, where did you go? 
I went to VCU, Virginia right, Commonwealth though. University. I was in the BSN program. Great school. And so I just finished with a lot of great schools in Virginia. Yeah, yep. yeah. So I did that, and then my VCU career- isn't just a team that that goes to the Sweet Sixteen every I, year as right. a as a nine seed. It's <laughs> actually a very good school. Yes. Yeah. So, and I was in the pep band. I was, okay. I was a peppa. So, I yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, sure was. And I'm a musician. So I knew that. Yep. That I did know. So my, I'm one of those people that I can really say, looking back, every job I've ever done, and I did a couple forays out of healthcare, and I, I did a stint as a finance manager at UPS. Okay. And worked at Circuit City as a oh, business wow. analyst. Circuit City. Yeah, and I was part of Remember the Remember the Circuit City days. Yeah, that was yeah. a long time ago. But I always, I learned, I, my, my whole career has literally prepared me for what I do today. That's awesome. With business analysis, project management, attention to detail, being trained to read and interpret 837s right. and all that. And obviously you have that natural aptitude and talent yes. to, to really get into and I'm, it. And I love to learn. So it, I just was every And that exudes, Dawn, you know, in all of your clients. I've been one of your clients. There are people that take good care of you because they have to, because it's their job. And there are people that take good care of you because they want to. Yes. And, you know, I would say that with, with your CEO going back to Adam, it's always above and beyond, you know, from a customer service uh, standpoint. It's uh, the ability to carve time out and to spend that time and really build personal yes. relationships. And, and that exudes, you know, I know a lot of people through the Centauri Vertical, um, you know, you guys hire a lot of people that are really talented but like to build those relationships, and I think that's important. Now, how, how is your health? Because um, I don't like getting too much into people's personal business, but you've survived some difficult health circumstances and, and thrived in those. How are you feeling these days? How are you doing? So I, um, yes, very survived cancer you know, more than once. More than once. <laughs> more yeah. than once. Right. Um, You've kicked cancer's arse I, several I times. Did. Yeah. And bumps in the road. Like um, about two years ago, I had to have a revision to my mastectomy reconstruction okay. um, because things shift, things happen. Now talk about if you're comfortable. Right. Yeah. I have had people, so it's just as we get older, we get more susceptible to illness. Yes. And I see quite a few people, I'm 45, so I see quite a few people in my circle are going through breast cancer and trying to debate if they're going to get the, the mastectomy, the double mastectomy or not. I have, I have friends that, that just, they had it running their family. As soon as they got, you know, stage one, they're like, they're out of yep. here. <laughs> then I had people that are going to hold on to, to the originals uh, as long as they could. What was your experience with that, and what is your recommendation? From because you you went through that years ago. I was and, forty, yeah, right. When I was diagnosed. Um, and that's 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 early, and that's you know such an intimate part of, of of a woman's body, and you know your mother and all of those things. What was that? What was that like for you? And, and what would you advise to people that are in early stage cancer um, that are going through that uh, decision on on what's best for them in their long term health? So it was a. For me, a shocking diagnosis with no family history whatsoever. Regular checkup? Um, well, I, Did you have a I mass? was 40. Um, I had had a mammogram at 35 okay. because my doctor knew that my husband, who is my second husband, and I planned to have children. Okay. So she said, let's get a baseline just to because I know you want to have kids, and that way we'll have that. So when you're done with kids, then you'll come back and just resume a regular schedule. So I had my kids at 37 and 38 when I was 40. Okay. Came back. Did not expect to get Were you still that breastfeeding? Call. I, I was not. Or just stopped? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had just stopped. Fairly, and I got that call that nobody wants to get Yeah. after I'd had my mammogram. And I'm like, what? <laughs> this, you know. What stage then, did they find? Luckily, it was DCIS. Oh, okay, great. But I had it great. diffusely in both, got both it. breasts. 
And so, and this comes to... Was it a no-brainer for you to... Yes. Okay. So I Even know, without the personal family history. Yes. Interesting. So even a lot, you know, when you read a lot of what's out there, a lot of doctors, other people will say, oh, you know, you, if it's DCIS, you know, you really shouldn't... Re-. It's like, that's an individual decision. Right. And you have to listen, talk to your doctor who would present options. And I was, and my doctor said to me, you have this diffusely all throughout both breasts. If, and I was large. And he said, if we try to do a lumpectomy on all, you will be disfigured. And he said, and you will have to have radiation. Okay. And I So that's different. That, yeah. that changes the... And the, he said, and even, you know, if we did a double mastectomy, if you come back and there's no involvement, to, right? you will... And I said, no brainer. I didn't... Being 40, knowing how many years of life, because I was going to be a thriver no matter right. what. I, I can't what I love live my life under that. And me and you are in the same boat. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a cancer survivor, but having Lyme disease for the last yes. 15 years, you know, having a doctor tell me I'd never walk again. Yeah. You got to thrive. Yes. You know, you can either sit in a corner and wait for the inevitable, or you can figure out if I have to live at 60%, 70%, um, I'm going to live the best. And, you know, funny for me, I got back to about 95%, you know, it's yeah. just, um, and at 45, you ain't going to be a hundred percent anyway, you have bad <laughs> right. knee, you have bad hip or something, but it was, it was really the premise that I wanted to thrive, not just to live, not just to just barely make it. I wanted to yeah. thrive it, And I wanted to thrive so bad that I was willing to risk my life to mm. do what I had to do from an exercise standpoint, uh, to take risks to thrive and, yeah. and it's work, work for me. Now from a reconstruction standpoint, what was that process like? Um, so I... Because um, technology is so much better than it was, you it, know, 30, yeah, 40, 50 even years now. ago. And back then, um, I thought I wanted to have... There was... This is where good doctors come in. I thought that I wanted to have what was then a radical procedure. It was called a DIEP, a DIEP procedure. And it involved some revascularization, mm. some major plastic surgery. But my doctor at the time was like... Revascularization think, is hard. That's yeah, he's like, I don't think yeah. this is a good choice okay. for you. And he told me why. And he said, but, you know, we can do, you know, expanders, you know, when, so they did, two surgeons did my surgery, the, okay. the, the mastectomy part, and then plastic surgeon came and did the reconstruction. And then over a course of about eight weeks, I had the expanders in and okay. then the, the permanent implants placed. Okay. And I was pleased with the outcome. It's Great. not perfect. Like I said, we, we didn't, I knew I wasn't going to be That's 100%. That's the same as God made it, but, you know, uh, look, right. Exactly. But, you know, there were many blessings that came out of that. And because I have a very, I became very involved with a charity called the Pink Ink Fund. Oh, okay. Which funds post-mastectomy tattooing for when nice. it is not covered by insurance or when you're like me and want a decorative tattoo that is not covered by insurance. Got it. And I become a, uh, a fundraiser and an advocate for that type of tattooing. And um, so that's one of the many blessings that, and part of thriving that came out of that wow. is the giving back. So how are you feeling today? You look Actually, great. Yeah, I feel good. I've with COVID, like most people, I put on weight and you know was stress, working long hours. You know, you know, it's a tough time on all of us. Not having that connection, not being able to. But I've you know recently, I was like, all right, I'm going to rededicate myself to right. my health, and you know, I luckily I'm still fe- feeling good. You know, be mobile, thriving, doing the things I love to do, and I'm like. We'll get back there. Well, we'll get back there. So thank you so much, Don, for spending uh, 20 minutes with me just chatting. Um, I just ask people, because Don 
Carter is an industry expert, really someone that, that you want to bring in as a consultant. If you have questions, you want to reach out to her. Where's the best place to plug in and find you? Is it on uh, LinkedIn? Is yeah, it on, I'm, um, I'm on LinkedIn. All right. Um, and that's really the best place to find me and to message me. And like, right. you know, if you, I always tell people, my door's always open. You have right. any questions about things you hear, you know, career, you know, breast cancer, whatever, my right. door's always open. James Lewis. Yo, it's amazing. Hell is blazing. Always been. Before I put the braids in, I used to let the waves spin. What you be saying don't impress me at all. And if chicks you be jaying don't be sexy at all. We're like everything that I recite stand out. Go ahead in front so I can try this right hand out across the jaw. L never lost the wall. I'm not going to spit that bar about enforcing the law. You got something to say to cough it out. Cows be wanting beef. When you pull out the heat, they're ready to talk it out. What is there to talk about? You was just fronting. Now it ain't nothing. Ain't that something? Bars. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. I spent many years as a quality healthcare executive focused on risk scores, clinical operations, and value-based care contracts. I had the corner office, the nice house, the pool, and all of the perks corporate America offers. But in 2020, as the pandemic had us all on lockdown, I decided to open up Paragon 7 Studios as a full-service consulting firm focused on healthcare media. Our critically acclaimed daily HealthCast series features many of the brightest minds in the industry. Due to increased demand, we are actually expanding into executive production of short films and documentaries for our clients. Find us on LinkedIn or Instagram to talk about hourly rates. That's Paragon 7 Studios.